podcast where me i thad cox i'm going to help you try and sort out your freelance life as a creative on the previous episode we talked about what to start doing if you're thinking about getting into freelancing or you're looking to kind of take your freelancing main sort of full time i suppose i was gonna say mainstream but what does that mean i'm talking about doing it full time um, because it's not easy and uh, quite a lot of the reasons we struggle is because we haven't laid the foundation. Uh, as I've said before, if you're new to the podcast, um, I am rubbish at doing the leap into freelancing. I'm sorry, I'm not rubbish. I did it rubbishly. Uh, is that even a word? The point being is I did a terrible job at starting my freelance career and I want to help you make sure that you don't make the same mistakes as me by trying to give you insight into kind of what worked you know, for me but in a way that is actionable, um, because as I said before, I um, I personally drown in a content of uh, expert tips, uh, five minute hacks, five things to do, what not to do, what you should be doing, um, and all these kind of things online. And don't get me wrong, part of me kind of loves, you know, consuming that. It, it makes me think, ah, brilliant, I've learned how to peel a boiled egg, a boiled egg quicker using a, the back of a spoon. And I think, yes. That's useful. I'm going to use that probably never, but I might do. Um, so, like my my inner info hoarder is feasting upon that stuff. But the reality is that I'm not really doing much else beyond it. So, I wanted to give you kind of insight into what I got right in a way that's going to resonate and a way that's going to help you actually take action and move you forward. And so, this is going to be um, the first stage. In in the previous episode, we talked about the importance of you know, starting slow um, and being sure about what you want to do and being kind of deliberate in that. And I talked about how, you know, your network is going to be such an important factor in in getting work and finding support. And building your network is something you can do from within the company you're currently working with. Or, you know, if you're considering jumping into freelance, or even if you've been sort of successfully freelancing, I still believe that you can um, really benefit from building your network. So if you're interested in how you can kind of do that sort of uh, to lay the foundation to give you a better sort of launch pad, I suppose, so you can achieve that golden escape velocity of getting into freelance on your own terms, go back and listen to that episode. I hope you find it valuable. There's a few things I sort of recommended that you start doing. Um, So if you've started to do them or you're kind of getting ready to do them, I thought in this episode we can move on to kind of putting it all together so you'd be developing your strategy. Now, strategy is one of those sort of big heavy words that we hear banded about in the creative industry and it kind of feels like, oh, is this a bit too deep? Is it a bit too serious? You know, do I need a strategy? You know, do I have to invest all the time in sort of planning and knowing whether it will work? And you don't. I mean, it's up to you completely. But but I will tell you that the a sort of a good analogy would be if you are a boat and you are setting off to go across the ocean, having a map and a plan of knowing where you want to go and how you're going to get there in the best way is the most effective way of doing it, as opposed to not having any plan or any map at all. Both boats will eventually reach the other side and they will reach their destination. The difference being will will be that one boat will take a hell of a lot of time to get there 
And often on that journey, as it starts to take longer and longer, we begin to doubt what we're doing or we run out of food or resources and we have to cancel and go back to the port. And so what I wanted to do is try and help you put together a very, very simple strategy just by helping you consider a few things. Um, Because being able to consider a few things before you start is going to make an enormous difference as to kind of how successful you're going to be at executing that. So as I said, the problem without a sort of plan it really kicks in because and and again this is a mistake that I've made is it's very tempting to go into kind of fits of starts so you you kind of start excited you got you you know who you're going to reach out to what you're going to do Um, but I find it's a bit like the, the tortoise and the hare story of like I'll rush off and get really into it and kind of right I've got to contact all these people and sign up for all these events and work on my portfolio and and kind of rush to do it all at once but I I find that I expend a lot of energy doing that because I'm not really I'm not really doing it in a way that's compounding itself so instead I'm actually sort of burning off a lot of excess fuel um, which will eventually lead to me crashing out wondering why it hasn't worked and it is this thing of we want to be sort of not only keeping a slow and steady pace you know like the the tur- the tur- the tur- I want to say turtle but it's not it's a tortoise but like the tortoise and the hare in the analogy the slow and steady stuff does really work and that's the way you're going to really take advantage of this is you're going to put thought into your actions before you do them to save you a lot of wasted energy and like anyone if you're going to make this leap into freelancing or you're going to decide you know what I'm going to do this better so it kind of is more consistent and I can make a living doing this thinking about how to do it and why you're doing it and what's the best plan of action is going to save you so much headache because I genuinely believe if you try and fail that self-defeating loop is hard to break and certainly mentally it can be really really testing because if you're trying to leave freelance and you don't quite do it you know, it's this is the issue, you know, trying to get into it and trying to sustain it is hard enough. But if you can't even get that going, you're certainly going to lose confidence. And it's not often your fault. It's just that the plan of action was great. It was just a bit scattered. So I wanted you to have a think about if you're putting together a simple strategy, these are the things that I would love you to have a think about first so you can come up with sort of answers for them. So the first one I've got here is who do you want to work with? The one advantage of doing this is it gives you a time to kind of pause and think. So with with this question, what I'm asking is like, what is the career that you really want to have? So the advantage of being a freelancer is that you are on your own terms. Um, you have a lot of control over that. That's that's certainly the, the, the vision. The, it's not so much an illusion. It takes tremendous discipline to keep that up because... What I've seen also and what I know is that when you work for yourself, no one else really tends to do the work. So if you want it done, you've got to get it done by yourself. And the only way that happens is to probably work quite long hours to make it happen. And there is a real danger that you end up swapping a sort of fairly comfortable, regular career, nine to five, four or five days a week for one that is actually more like nine to ten and the occasional weekend. And that isn't why we wanted to get going, is it? So... I want you to have a think about what type of freelance career do you want and who do you want to work with? So is it a case of you want to 
work at another company, you know, because that's very, very different to, say, setting up on your own. And it's really, really important to distinguish the difference between I just might want to change jobs and work in a different industry or for a better company and do something else, which is fine. Uh, Or if I want to set up my own studio, I need different things because ultimately it's going to it's it's a completely different path and although there is overlapping you are your client and the target of your work and how you convey yourself and where you network is all going to change based on that decision so it's worth taking a bit of time to decide what you want your freelance career to be and why that is important to you and then we can start to put into place all the steps needed to make that happen in a successful manner. So have a think, like what is the career that you're currently swapping what you're doing at the moment for? And remember to be clear on that. Take your time to kind of think it out. And then when you are clear on what you want to do and why you want to do it, hold on to that thought because that's going to be the thing that's going to ultimately keep you going through all of this. Once you've established exactly who you want to work for and what type of career you want and In this example, I mean, I would just say just to keep it easy, it's going to be kind of do I want to work in-house for someone else, maybe switch careers or switch agencies, or do I want to kind of set up on my own and build my own career? They're going to be the two things. But ultimately, once you've decided on which one is the most relevant and helpful for you, the next best question you can ask yourself is what are they looking for? So for me, this is kind of I'm very keen to, as I've said before, reflect human behavior back at us to go out and try and find the answers we're looking for. So like anything, if you're looking for expertise in someone, what are you looking for before you kind of want to work with them? So if we reflect that back at the clients and we take those two examples, what do they want from someone like you? So if we say, let's say you want to work at a different agency, so you're looking to kind of go, well, I want to leave my agency and maybe go and work somewhere else. And maybe the way I can get in there is kind of by being freelance initially. And then if that goes well, they may, may, you know, make me another full-time employee. That agency is going to want specific skills. So they're going to be looking at like, you know, have you got experience doing this? Um, Can we see that experience in your portfolio? What kind of um, skill sets do you already have? Like, are they looking for sort of software requirements? Maybe they're looking for like awards to know that you can work at a certain level. They'll want to know your CV of where you've worked before, what brands you've worked on, what work you've done. So it's weird, isn't it? Because although the work you've done is important, there will be a huge amount of emphasis put on kind of all the other bits, such as where you've worked, the responsibility you've had, the skills you have. Um, They'll want to know who's prepared to vouch for you, any references, you know, have you got any quotes or testimonials on your website or on your LinkedIn endorsements, those kind of things. They will want to know all of those things before they consider hiring you. So that that's a huge factor because, and again, it depends if you've been sort of freelancing on your own and maybe sort of struggling to really get it going and you go, well, I want to maybe go back into agency life. If you haven't worked at a sort of um, a well-known agency for maybe a couple of years, that might count against you so this is this thing of we need to reflect back at them exactly what they want to see and this is where I'm a big believer in when you have a portfolio it's really important to kind of think of it as a tool to get inquiries rather than a sort of platform to showcase how brilliant you are Um, for years I would build portfolios for my peers 
to make them kind of go, oh, wow, that looks really cool, rather than actually go, well, what do clients want? And if we take that example and we, we push it further, a client wants similar things. You know, if you're going to try to go freelance uh, on your own and you want to work with a certain client, they're looking for specifics as well. So the, the good example I will always use is kind of if you wanted to work with restaurants, um, they're going to want to know that you have expertise working with other restaurants, that you know their industry, that you've worked on big projects, that those projects have been successful. So, you know, testimonials, case studies, that kind of thing. Um, they want to know that there are other people in your industry that can vouch for you. Uh, it, it's all quite similar, but it's going to be specific to what they're looking for. And if we sort of push the restaurant thing again, imagine you go like, I'm looking for pizza. And you could go to like a sort of generic restaurant that does pizzas, burgers, curries, steaks, all that kind of stuff. There's loads of them out there. Or you can go to one that just does pizzas. And the answer is going to be you're going to pick the one that just does pizzas because you know that they have more practice doing pizzas and that's what you're in the mood for. If we're designers um, and we think about, well, what can we offer? And we say, well, we offer social media graphics, web design, logos, uh, flyers, uh, email headers, loads of stuff. Or we can narrow it down and go, well, we do really good websites and we do really good websites for restaurants. The more kind of narrow you can go, the more it helps the people who you want to work with and who are looking to work with you understand exactly it is what you offer. And everyone is kind of scared to go narrow because they're worried like there won't be enough people. But if I said to you, well, okay, let's imagine you're a web developer and you just want to work at restaurants. I would imagine that there are probably millions of restaurants throughout the world that need websites. And I would probably imagine that there are very few companies that offer restaurant-specific web design. And once you've done one of those jobs with a restaurant and you've understood what makes a good restaurant website, now, if you put yourself out there as a restaurant website specialist and you have a couple of case studies to back that up, when restaurant owners are looking for a website designer that does websites for restaurants and they see you, they're going to pick you every time and they're going to pick you over the, the general web designer who does a bit of everything. And this is the point of kind of understanding what they want in the same way that we make buying decisions when we're in the mood for something and we want like an expert, whether we want a plumber to fix our plumbing. We don't pick like a handyman or a guy who installs TVs to come and go, oh, why are you here? Could you take a look at the boiler? You wouldn't do it. You would kind of go, no, I'm going to get a specialist in to do both jobs because that's what they're good at. That's how clients feel about you. So knowing what they're looking for is really, really helpful because then you can reflect that back at them in the portfolio you build. And I'm a big believer in sort of basically tailor making your portfolio to be as compelling as possible for a particular audience. And the way you find out what they're looking for is quite simply to ask them. So once you know what kind of direction you're going, whether that's I need to appeal to headhunters and credit directors, or I need to appeal to specific clients in a specific industry. Once you know all of that, then you can begin to shift your focus and tailor your portfolios to suit that audience. And if you took the same portfolio at the same starting point, but went in two directions, you would see very soon they would look radically different. But that doesn't matter because they're talking to a specific audience. So it's like if I had a portfolio in French and a portfolio in English, they're talking to two different audiences, but 
cross over, they're almost irrelevant for the other party. And that's kind of how we have to look at it. We have to go, okay, what is it they're looking for? And, you know, are we showing it? Now, moving to that next point is going to be, can you provide that? So uh, the other big question is like, well, if I'm not showing that, you know, can I do that? Because if I want to get this job or if I want to make it successfully in freelancing and I want to work with, say, restaurants, but I don't have much experience working with restaurants, then I can't show that in my portfolio. Um, and that's fine. It's, it's not really a problem, you know, because there is this thing of like, you might have to go and get it. But the reality is that that's a consideration to make because we can decide like, this is the career I want and these are the people I want to work with. So I need to go off in this direction. So now I need to understand, well, if I can't show that, that's going to be an issue because I they need to be able to find it from me. So this is worth considering kind of what things can I be doing in order to acquire the knowledge and skills that they're looking for that I can then demonstrate. So again, it, it, it feels like, you know, are we getting a bit lost in the weeds and overcomplicating this and maybe taking it too seriously? The truth is that it's not really because this is just, again, it's how we choose. If you're buying a product on Amazon and it doesn't have many reviews versus one that's similar but has loads of reviews, you're going to get the one with loads of reviews because there is an element of trust there. So you're going to make buying decisions around all these kind of sort of different aspects from price to reputation to who else is using it. All these factors come into play here. So we need to be able to show what they're looking for. And if we can't show it yet, we need to be able to find how we're going to, you know, basically find a way to show the skills and the qualities they're looking for. This could be maybe you need to get qualifications or maybe you need to partner with someone and go and work in a, again, you might say like, let's look at both scenarios. Yeah. So if I'm wanting to do web design for restaurants, I might need to kind of work in a company that does that so I can gain that experience. Or I might need to find my local restaurant and kind of work with them and try and understand how that works to gain that case study that is then going to get me the next client. So this is the thing. And again, if I if I go the other way and go, what is an agency looking for? And it might be, you know, certain experience working on big campaigns. It might be a certain type of work. So I might need to go, okay, well, I did uh, graphic design but I didn't show it in this format. So you might go, well, I did a lot of like marketing overall, but they're looking for sort of social media marketing, say. And it's like, oh, I've got some of that, but I haven't possibly shown it in the best light. So now you're going to invest in maybe some mock-ups, maybe some little animation. You're going to write like a case study to kind of go, look, this is the assets we created. This is how it worked. You know, it's a case of you might not have what they're looking for at the moment, but you can certainly create that or you can go and get that experience. So that's going to be the big thing. It's like if you can't provide what they're looking for, then you probably need to go and get it. And if you can or you've got that experience, find a way to showcase that that's going to make it compelling and easy to find for them. The fourth kind of question to ask yourself is, are you demonstrating your expertise? And this comes back to kind of my point and the mistakes that I was certainly making where I was building wonderful, what I would call gallery websites, which show the work looking great, um, but they don't really sort of tell the story of the project. And they certainly don't communicate my level of understanding or my knowledge um, or certainly my expertise. And that's going to be the slight problem because although we're making beautiful looking websites, 
that we want to subconsciously impress the people we know and our peers and the people we work with, quite often they don't become our clients. Um, and also, even if you are looking to sort of, say, stay in your creative industry and move to another agency, once people have to pay for your services, then they get very, very particular on certain levels of skill because if they don't see that you're an expert, they're not going to want to pay you much. So there's this whole thing of like, well, you might be an expert and have lots of experience and feel, well, I should be commanding a certain day rate. But if you're not showing that, they're not going to know. So they're going to go, well, we're not going to pay that. He doesn't know what he's, how do I know he's worth it? So this is the point where we have to go, okay, maybe I need to update my bio. Maybe I need to kind of call out my experience or I need to get to some testimonials or I need to kind of talk about the impact my work is having or I might need to write some thought leadership examples to kind of show what I'm doing. Certainly um, in-depth case studies are a fantastic way of doing that because most clients are going to be intrigued about okay what was the end result of the work and if you can show that and you can sort of pepper in sort of uh, examples of your years of experience or who you've worked with or your qualifications all of this is just building up your reputation and that will help you because not only does it make you stand out, make you relevant, but again, when it comes to pricing or charging for your day rate or however you're going to build a client, if they perceive you as an expert who is backing that up with years of knowledge and success, you can charge a lot more straight away instead of trying to justify them paying a higher fee when they don't want to. So that's going to be the other question is, are you demonstrating your expertise? Are you sharing your kind of thought leadership type stuff and look it it's tough because linkedin and places are full of this sort of stuff but i i'm telling you now that that might rankle a few people around you but i promise you they're not your clients so as long as your clients perceive you as having a deep set of knowledge and expertise then that's enough and again where are your clients looking in order to find this expertise so having your blog that makes sense absolutely um, but again, if you're an agency or you want to stay in the agency world, LinkedIn is probably a really good place to do it. If you're looking at industry specific stuff, you might say like, if I, again, if we stick with restaurants, then I probably want to be writing guest posts in industry um, publications, you know, doing guest posts on industry blogs or going on industry podcasts. Because again, that, that's going to put me in that category of thought leader and people who are in that industry are going to find me. They're going to put two and two together and go, ah, okay, he's an expert because I've seen him in these places. And that's going to be really helpful. The big thing that I don't think people make enough of because they don't want to accept it is that maybe you need to take a step back in order to take two steps forward. It's really, really rough. And it was I was reluctant to kind of put this in here because... It, it can be crushing because you kind of go, well, I want to start freelancing and I want to get away from what I'm doing so I can sort of land some cool clients. I would hate to tell you, yeah, but you're not ready yet. You're going to have to go back and actually keep working in that job you don't like or go and take another job in somewhere else that you don't quite like in order to gain that experience. And then once you've got that experience, then you can become uh, a proper freelancer and give a go at it. But let me explain my thinking here. So often, if we find ourselves having to convince people that they should work with us or they should choose us, that's because we're not compelling enough or there's something um, that they're looking for 
that we're not providing. Stuff we've kind of covered already. But if you need, say, experience in restaurant marketing and building websites because you want to work in the restaurant industry, there's no harm taking a job at an agency that already does that because they're going to give you the opportunity to work with restaurant clients. And that opportunity is going to give you a lot of sort of exposure and experience and knowledge which you'll retain with you. So when you finish there, maybe in six months or a year later, now when you go out on your own, that knowledge and expertise that you've gained in that year off, that's what makes you more valuable. So you've gone from kind of, I'm trying to convince people to work with me, to I've taken one step back, I've gathered all this information, and now I'm coming back out there. Now they're going to go, oh, okay, so he's worked with so-and-so and so-and-so. Brilliant. That knowledge is going to make selling yourself so much easier. So this is the thing of if you haven't got the expertise or you can't demonstrate it, I don't think there's any problem in actually considering to like maybe I need to go back and learn or I need to reskill myself because in the long term, that's only going to help you. So for me, um, looking at where there are gaps in your knowledge or maybe kind of holes in your portfolio from you know the point of view, from the client point of view you want to work with, then you can be more strategic in the short term and go, right, I need to gather these resources and acquire these skills, uh, get these qualifications, maybe win these awards, and then come back into it and be taken more seriously. I know I certainly had this uh, with football coaching. You know, a lot of it was very much like um, you could be a great coach and really impressive, but you were often judged on your badges. So when I got my um, UA for B license, that made a big difference because people would automatically put you in this category of like, okay, well, he's taking it quite seriously. That's quite a hard qualification to get. So they respected me because they valued the qualification. So then they were prepared to let me coach their team or come in and run a session. Before that, I had to kind of convince them that I was really passionate and and really good and stuff, but it wasn't, we weren't speaking the same language. So there is this shorthand in that example of an award or an accreditation that buys you credibility that you can then use and opens doors and opportunities. So this is where you have to, again, be strategic about the people I want to work with. What do they judge expertise on and what would benefit me to get as a qualification or some sort of experience so that then they perceive me in a different way and they're going to more likely hire me or bring me into their business. And that brings me on to kind of the final point, which is when you've got all of this together, Um, you need to be able to identify who the decision maker is at the company. This took us a long time and quite often. So when we were trying to get a job in advertising, I remember we were trying to go for a placement at Saatchi's and we would ask for meetings with people and uh, it would take a long time. You've got to build up your portfolio. You've got to ask people to set you up, introduce you. And the people you want to see are busy. You know, they're they're busy doing stuff. They're, They're creative directors. They've got jobs. So it it meant that we had to really make ourselves sort of available at their whim. And we'd spend a long time going to sort of meet with people. They'd cancel, we'd have to go home again. And it's quite soul-destroying. But I remember there was this lovely lady, Linda, who worked on reception. And she would see us and was very sweet to us and very, you know, patient. And sort of, I remember one day she was like, oh, you're back again. Um, have you not seen him yet? And I go, no, 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 no. This is, um, we had to reschedule a couple of times because he's always busy. Uh, and she was like, I'm not having that. You guys are very patient. You keep turning up, leave it with me. And she went and had a chat with him and he saw us 
And it was amazing. It was like, how, do, how did this happen? And he was saying, look, Linda's a really good judge of character. And if she likes you and thinks you're good, then I'll absolutely take her word on it. And that got us seen and got our portfolio critted. And that was another step forward. The thing was, it, when we got the, I think, I don't know if it led to a placement, but we basically, I remember buying flowers for Linda to say thank you. And it really made me aware that, okay, she's the decision maker who can give us access to the boss in a way that I wouldn't have factored. So whoever you talk to, whatever company you're trying to get hired by, do your research and find out who the people are that who are those kind of gatekeepers. Because you can be, you know, communicating and DMing someone on LinkedIn and liking their posts and taking them out for coffees only to find that the boss doesn't really care for them and, and their opinion has no weight in the office. The flip side is you want to kind of understand who are the people that make the hiring decisions? Do they have PAs? Can I kind of speak to a few people in the company at once to kind of gauge who's the one to talk to? All of this will help you. And like I said, once you've made it clear who the decision maker is or who you need to get buy-in from, spending time impressing them as much as the boss uh, is going to be really advantageous for you. So that's always the kind of, when we finally decided, right, I want to work for this company or in this industry, I've got the skills, I've got everything tailored. So now when I present myself to that person, I want to make sure I'm strategic about picking the person that has the influence at that place. And if we do that, we give ourselves a massive opportunity of getting the you know the, the jobs and the hires and the, whatever we want because we've been strategic. And that is the kind of, that's the strategy component of this. And that's what I wanted to cover in this episode. Um, as always, that, that that's a lot of information to process. Uh, and it's quite hard to kind of go, where do I start? I would say that the most succinct thing you can do for this episode, if you want a kind of homework, would be this. Answer the first question of like, who do you want to work with? And then go and talk to the ideal type of person you want to work with and try and understand what they're looking for from someone like you. It's a bit similar to the previous week where I said, go and take people out for lunch and understand what they do. This is a similar thing. Go and find people who are the ideal client. Ask, can I interview you? I have a few questions. I want to work with people like you. It will take half an hour of your time and and try and find people. Um, when you found those people, ask them questions around what we've just covered here. So what are they looking for in someone like you? What sort of things do they look for on a website or where do they search? Is it on social media? Is it LinkedIn? Is it wherever? Is it, you know, what? where do they look for it? What do they want? What kind of people do they look up to and they admire? Or like, maybe they could look at your website and maybe give you an idea of what's missing. And then write down everything they're looking for and then write down where there are potential gaps and then put that plan of action first. So you might have to get experience. You might have to enter some sort of qualification to get that, sorry, some sort of course or accreditation to get that qualification. Um, You might have to do a placement where you work somewhere to gain experience. I mean, I've always kind of felt that you could do a strategic thing where you go, right, I'm going to work out, could I save up enough to go and offer to work at this company for free for, say, maybe a couple of months to gain valuable experience? 
None of it is a problem. Like It's much easier to step back and take an in-house job for another year if you know that this is part of a bigger plan. So your homework, if there is one, would be to form some sort of outreach to people and go and talk to them, see what they come back with, and then look at the gaps. This is your portfolio, where it stands. This is what they're looking for. And then where are the gaps and what do I need to change and set about making those changes. And then while you're making those changes, you can be researching um, decision makers so that when everything is aligned and ready, those are the people you could reach out to. And like I said, that's that's going to be the first kind of simple, uh, most effective strategy. And most people will skip this. They won't interview anyone. They won't talk to anyone. They will guess and presume they know better. I'm telling you now, you really don't. And you will always be surprised by what you hear in those interviews. So please take the time. It, it's not difficult at all. Um, just reach out to them and they will help you. They'll accelerate this process so fast and give you so much brilliant information. And if you do it with more than one, maybe three to five people, you'll be so well informed, it will just be invaluable to you. So that would be it. So as always, I hope you found this useful. I would love it if you shared with someone else who you who would also find it helpful. I'm here to help you, but I can only be of service um, if you recommend me, if you tell me what you like, what you don't like, and you ask me questions. I would love it if you could, you know, as always, share this with friends, give us a review. But more importantly, send an email to Thad at Thad Education. If you have any questions or you need any help with anything, I'm only as good as you guys. So I would nearly need your help. I'm doing exactly what I suggested. I'm asking you to tell me where are the gaps and what are the things you're looking for, but maybe you can't find that maybe I can provide a solution for. And if we do that together, we all benefit. So all I can say is thank you for listening. I really appreciate your time. Have a great day, great week and uh, reach out if you have any questions and I will catch you in the next episode.